So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Hello. This guest was super inspiring. I think if anyone's in a position where you're not enjoying what you're doing, this episode's for you. Mm, definitely. And so many people are not in a job that they are enjoying. And given that we spend how much of your life is at work, it's a Most lot anyway. Of it, yeah. Most of it. Um, working or sleeping is like a massive that's percentage what takes of your life. Up the majority of your life. So um, if you're having a rubbish time, then maybe it might be time for a shift. But so many people don't take that shift because I guess culture and society tell us that we shouldn't. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's a half, it's a balance between that and then just fit the fear of, oh, well, I'm not good enough to go and do something else. Mm. And and freelance life is unpredictable, and you're not guaranteed a paycheck. Whereas um, I I don't know who said it, but I think one of the a quote that's always stuck with me is the most addictive thing on the planet is a paycheck. Yeah, well, and I think that's because I suppose the most addictive thing on the planet is safety, and a paycheck is constant safety of every month I'm I've got somewhere to live, I can eat. So it's that like survival instinct wise you want to survive and working a 95 that pays a regular salary salary provides that really easily yeah absolutely we've been doing this show for long enough now that i think we've got quite a good read on who's listening and mm-hmm. obviously it's a it's a vast array of people who are entrepreneurs that are really successful down to people who are really just at the beginning of of their journey but i know that a lot of people that listen to this show are in a job um, and there are lots of people who actually listen to the show that are in a job that they're, that they're really happy with. Yeah. They just want to be more creative sort of in their spare time and stuff, which I think is really cool. Um, but it's it's to the ones that are listening that are in the job that where they're unhappy Yeah. Um, that you have to sort of, I, I guess our job is to tell them that there is hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that um, Toby, this week's guest, is a really good example of that light at the end of the tunnel. And again, because of social media, because the way our brains are wired, everyone wants instant gratification and throwing your laptop out the window and punching your boss in the face. Uh, it all sounds very dramatic and is a wonderful story, but it's probably not the best route to go down because everyone that we've spoken to that has transitioned out of um, the, the, the traditional nine to five has been very methodical about the way they've done it and they've been patient yeah i think it's a real issue isn't it like knowing when to leave and i think this episode's a perfect example of like the person finding the right time and although it did happen to him because he got made redundant he'd still built up enough skill in his spare time whilst working a full-time job to be proficient enough that he could then go make a full living from it so many of our guests have made the leap after becoming redundant it's crazy yeah and i think the the reason why is because that redundancy package gives you that buffer Mm -hmm. so they have six months in the bank where they're like oh i've got this money i don't have to start looking for a job for another six months so let me just try this thing that i've been doing in my spare time and see where it goes and as soon as you put 
as soon as you go from working like three or four hours when you were doing it or evenings yeah. or weekends and you start putting 24 hours a day into something, all of a sudden it starts to snowball and you're like, okay. So I suppose our advice to people would be, it's that thing we've spoken about before, build, like don't wait for the redundancy, yeah. build up your six month Build your own redundancy buffer. package. Yeah, yeah have build some, your own redundancy yeah. package. <laughs> like, yeah, save enough up in the bank. Especially like if you're doing something creative in your part time, like use the money you earn from that to create this redundancy package for yourself. Because then it's like if you do want to quit, you've got all this money that has been provided by your own skill that you can then use to go and put your full time effort into. Yeah, it's like, and this is a weird analogy, but it's like our business partner, Yona. She only buys uh, her clothes from Depop and eBay, but she will only spend on what she sells from her wardrobe. So if she sells a dress, then she has then got that money that she can then put into YouTube. And it's a nice way of like segmenting your money out. So anything, if you sell a print or you sell a tote bag or whatever it is that, that is your product, or you um, or if you've got a service, you go and you go and perform for someone take that money that you make from there and leave it separate. And then that yeah. goes into building your business money. Yeah, because I think it's really tempting to, if you've got a few hundred pounds coming from somewhere, I'd be like, great, I've got a few hundred quid now. I'm going to go spend this on this these pair of trainers that I wanted, like this holiday that I've wanted to go on. Whereas like, think of it long-term, think about, well, if I save this now, this is going to potentially change my life. So yeah, the short-term wins versus the long-term gains is like definitely worth thinking about. It's so much harder to go for the long-term the short term is so juicy and spicy yeah. and you're just like, oh, give it to me now. But the long term, it always works out better. Be tortoises. Absolutely. So you know what? We're actually lucky that Toby was not the first ever episode we did um, because if he was, then there would be no more podcast. Why? Because um, you know how when we started, we were like, oh, really paranoid about our voices and stuff. We hate our voices. Um, I listened back to this podcast and there's us a big, hi Toby, thanks for coming on our podcast. He's got the sexiest voice you've ever heard. <laughs> and he's just like, hey guys, welcome. Thanks for having me. And you're just like, oh shit. So really lucky that um, over the past six months, we've actually built up our confidence to where we don't hate our voices so much. Yep. But, um, but yeah, Toby's shattered. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so now you've got an episode of a beautiful voice with someone who's so fucking inspiring. Like, I can tell you in advance, if you know anyone who's not enjoying their job, send this podcast to them now because they will definitely get value from it. Yes, and also, um, a quick favour, could you guys leave us uh, an iTunes review, please? Um, that would make us really happy. So thanks. If we've ever helped you in any way or you like listening to the show, the easiest way you can show it is by leaving us a lovely iTunes review. Thank you. So this week's episode is with Toby Shinobi, who's a photographer. Toby used to work a regular nine to five in law, uh, but he found that it wasn't fulfilling him. So he started taking photos on his lunch break and his hobby turned into a passion and his passion turned into a career, but only because he took a couple of key risks along the way. Mm. Um, it's a really inspiring story and I think you guys will love it. In this episode, we talk about turning your passion into a career, white chocolate, peanut butter M&Ms and chasing opportunity. A number of people seem to think that they should wait for these opportunities to kind of come. Like, yeah. so you, can, you can go and chase them. There's no shame in that at all.
Hi, Toby. How's it going? Welcome. Thank you, Thank for, you for coming on our podcast. Yeah. Um, so you are an award-winning photographer. Um, you've <laughs> yeah. worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. Is it true that this started out as like a hobby on your lunch break? Absolutely. Um, I, uh, my, actually, my, my younger brother actually got a camera before I did. And um, it was weird for me because uh, up until a certain point, I, I used to work in a department store and I remember just seeing like older white guys with cameras. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, I never, I never really associated it with someone like myself. I never thought that I would, you know, make money for it. Never thought I would get into it at all. Um, and then my younger brother got a camera and I was like, oh, I guess, you know, why not? And then it, it kind of just developed into this thing where every lunchtime, just literally just down the road from here, um, Bishop, Bishopsgate, I would head to the Tesco opposite Liverpool Street Station, grab a sandwich, grab a drink, and I'd walk around the back streets of Shoreditch. And I remember there's this area just beyond, I forget the name of the road, but maybe about 10 minutes from here. And um, I remember kind of stumbling into this kind of like really derelict area. Like it's been used a lot now in like movies. Street. I think so. You know where? Like so a pink door down there. It's just like beautiful. There's, there's, there's like this weird kind of disused tunnel. And um, I think Luther filmed one of its episodes. Do you remember oh. when like Justin gets shot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I was in... Oh, it's round by the by oh, our old gallery, yeah. Oh, no, I think it's the one behind... Oh, is it the one that's kind of like near the park or is it the one that's at the back of Urban Outfitters? Because it's definitely <sighs> someone dies at the start of there because I've shot it down there. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought if you've not watched Luther, Luther season one at this point, like... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 that's um, your fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a spot behind there and I'm like doing a portrait shoot down there and... It probably sounded a bit creepy, but I was like, oh, do you know someone died down here? And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, in Luther. This is, yeah, this yeah. is like a murder scene from one of the yeah. first episodes. Yeah. So they were probably more annoyed that you spoiled it rather than the fact you, <laughs> yeah. you almost scared them. Yeah. So it's like this, this kind of uh, disused tunnel that the top of it used to be part of a bridge. I guess trains went over it. Yeah. But once you go through it, it's kind of like a set of stairs going across and then this kind of grey bridge, really yeah. narrow grey bridge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's and, right. Um, yeah. yeah. And just next to that, this is, there used to be a derelict area. And I think it's now like a city garden. Yes. Yeah. Before it was a city garden, I kind of hopped over a fence and there was this kind of like burnt out, you guys will appreciate this, like graffiti cans all over the place and stuff. And I remember getting real low with my camera. It was on auto at the time, but like really close, shallow depth of field and all of that. And then I just took a picture and I was like, wow, this is, this is what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I remember just taking picture after picture. I'd probably take a hundred pictures every lunchtime. And, and that's just how I, I got hooked. Instagram how, had come around at the time as well. And how many years ago was this? That's probably seven, eight years ago. It's, it's a bit of a blur because, because I was doing law at the time, um, photography was like my escapism. It was, mm-hmm. it was very cathartic for me. And so I got on Instagram, was taking pictures of really, really random stuff. Lego figures. I remember if you go back far enough, my feed is a picture of like cufflinks maybe still maybe still there if you would love to go that that far um but just messing around like everyone does taking pictures of food and maybe even the the occasional mirror selfie maybe not i hope not um scroll back far enough and you might find some maybe yeah there's some gems yeah i mean some of your favorite photographers on instagram you go back far enough you'll find some really amazing things um so i taking pictures of really random things and then came off because i got busy at work came on again, came off because I got busy at work and, you know, my background being a lawyer, um, just, you're just going to have those periods. Mm. Um, 
but my girlfriend at the time, she she reminded me, she was like, I, I remember being like really quite stressed. And she was like, oh, you haven't gone out and shot in, in ages. And so I set myself this kind of mini project. Um, I think I I hit the Jubilee line because a lot of the stations had kind of been like renovated at this point. Yeah. And I just did this project and I remember thinking, yeah, like this is, this is again really what I want to do. Um, the industry I was in was just very, uh, there was just always some combativeness. There was always some sort of conflict because when you work as a litigator, you're either arguing with your boss yeah. or the opposition or the judge, and sometimes even your client. And there was just always this back and forth. With photography, there's just so much more control. So it was really cathartic for me to kind of just get out and just have control over aperture, like where I'm shooting, shutter speed, all of that. It was just... Uh, juxtaposition against the stuff that I had to deal with at work. I had to firefight at work, whereas photography is like control, and and that was just it was my therapy. And it was, it was, yeah. I I mean I don't want to be over dramatic and say it saved my life, but in many ways it just it definitely uplifted and just yeah changed the standard of my life in terms of like it saving me from the rigmarole of going through all of that time and time again i mean we're a product of how we spend our time aren't we and if you're every day just getting re- waking up in the morning like i'm gonna have an argument today yeah, yeah. guaranteed Absolutely. i'm gonna be arguing with someone Absolutely. i mean for, for adam like that sounds like your worst nightmare was, like, yeah i'm so like non-argumentative <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that's just the worst like yeah guy like I've, I've never heard, uh, yeah, never thought of law that way before. But yeah, every day you wake up, you're going to go and have an argument with someone. And it's like, that's that's stressful and you don't need that in your life. Absolutely. If you could be doing something that brings you joy. Absolutely. And it, it got to a point where, in fact, to roll back a second, I, I, I remember all the reasons why I got into law in the first place. Like my mum, in fact, my family, I was I guess I was an argumentative, angsty teen. Like, yeah, <laughs> that phase, right? And I always had a lot of questions. I've always been just very inquisitive. At work, you know, I, I studied through like university and stuff, didn't take out like a student loan. And I remember my bosses being really kind of annoyed from time to time about the amount of questions I asked, but I'm just naturally an inquisitive person. Mm-hmm. And it was never interrogative. It was always like, oh, why have we done it like that? Yeah, I curious. I guess sometimes a boss just, just go and do it, Toby. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and so um, that plus me being um, what my parents would refer to as argumentative, and my friends kind of considered me to be argumentative. Well, meant how that would you refer to it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I, I guess I just don't like to accept just things as they are. Yeah. Um, there's a certain amount to which I will, but there's there's a certain amount. If someone's presenting me with something that doesn't seem right, I'll, I'll question it because I want to know the reasoning and rationale. And so it got to a point where a lot of people are saying, oh, Toby, you should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer. You should be a lawyer." Kind of thing. I was like, "All right, cool. I will be." And I, I did that and it was, it was a challenge. I knew that, the, the, I mean, I always say to people that there's good reasons as to why I became a lawyer and, and the, the bad reasons. The bad reasons were kind of like, um, people had kind of challenged me to it and so I was going to do it, right? But the good reasons were, um, I wanted to do something that was going to challenge me. Um, I wanted to make a lot of money and I wanted to help people. And so those are the reasons I kind of got into it. Um, but just over time, I remember meeting a barrister and he was saying, you don't have the spirit of, of a lawyer, you have the spirit of a mediator. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I think I got to a point where I just, I think I grew out of having to answer every question. I, I was one of those kids who always had an answer for every question, and always had questions for other people because I just wanted to know the stuff. And then I think you just get to a point where you're just like, 
that's probably not me anymore. And I think that was around the time when I'd, I'd kind of found photography. So it was definitely an interesting point in my life when I just started to work out different ways to communicate with people. One being a visual way of, of, of photography. And um, I've always found it really interesting how people can connect with you through photography in a different way than how they connect with you verbally. Because mm-hmm. I've met friends from all around the world and there's a vibe that we, we kind of have and share that's it's somewhat unspoken, but mm-hmm. there's a, it's, it feels like there's a friendship that's been there longer than the actual time that you spent yeah. with a person. Just And they, they, only, they, they literally only know me through social media, but we, we hang out, we vibe, and we've, we've connected on this kind of other, other level. So, it, yeah, photography has been a, uh, an interesting social experience, a so- social experiment through social media for me. So you've just got this camera. Like how are you learning to use it? So from that, that's, I guess that's a good question. So with, with Instagram coming out at the time that it did, um, I had always been interested in camera phones. So even before um, like the smartphones that we have now, I remember, the, do you remember the, the Nokia 7650, that brick? Yeah. It's, it's that really I solid had, phone. I had one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it slid up, right? It slid yeah, up, yeah. yeah. Um, that was one of the first, first with a camera on it, That was one of the first with a camera. Yeah. And then I remember kind of, um, I think Vodafone Germany had released like a video um, hack. It wasn't like readily available, but I just remember like being really, really interested in it. And then the, I think Sony Ericsson T28i, I mean, Sony Ericsson doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think this I is how, that. yeah, it had the add on on the bottom that yep. you could, and I was just like taking pictures of little things which are interesting to me. Yeah, that's and so nice. So, the camera didn't come as part of the phone. You had to connect it to the yeah. bottom of the phone. Exactly. So mad. Exactly. Um, and, um, you know, whether it be sneakers or trainers, I forget sometimes on which which part of the pond, which side of the pond I'm on. So <laughs> yeah, whether it's sneakers or trainers, um, I, whatever interested me, I'd just take these little kind of snapshots of it. And even, I remember, I think, I'm not sure which Sony it was, but it had like basic video editing on it. And then I would kind of um, BitTorrent download music videos that I like and then cut them to slice, splice them together just to make something interesting. So I always had this kind of weird, interesting thing where I wanted to kind of mess around in the creative fields, but I was doing law at the time. It was just like my focus. Um, so in terms of like the, the gradual development of me as a, as a photographer, I was um, walking around with either my iPhone or this small, really tiny Sony that I had, which mm-hmm. is the NEX5N. Um, which is great. It had a flip-out camera, touchscreen, touch the focus, all of that. And I really worked on my composition and angles first. That was that was the main thing. Again, if you go back in my feed far enough, you'll see that I had this thing which I did, and I was trying to find my signature style where yeah. I had everything at kind of a Dutch angle. And some people hated it, but some people loved it, and it was just something different to do. And um, I had a friend who's much more um, proficient with cameras than I was, and he was saying dude, your stuff is amazing, but you've got to turn it to manual. And I was like, really? He said, yeah. Like, and I just, over time, just did more and more research and, you know, it gradually just got better and better and better. And like, it's, it's funny for me that I'm self-taught and I've managed to scale the heights that I have. Um, Cause now I'm, I'm a commercial photographer. I work in an ad agency and I get paid to take pictures. That's, that's crazy to me. I never went to school for it. And uh, I meet people all the time. And they're like, oh, you know, did you study it? And I'm like, no, self-taught. And I'm like, wow, like self-taught. And 
it's a sentence I say to people all the time and it's, it doesn't mean that much to me. But then when I sit back and think about what I've been able to do through being self-taught, it's, it's wild because like, you know, YouTube is a resource that's available to everyone. Like whatever you want to learn is just readily available now. I think we, we, we live in this really crazy, amazing age where anything you want to know, if you look hard enough, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time. Yeah, I'm a massive advocate for YouTube. I pretty yeah. watch probably at least an hour a day. It's kind of more, I watch that more than TV. Mm. And everything will be some kind of tutorial or something based around that yeah. camera kind of world. Yeah. And like, it's just fascinating. And I, I think like, because I'm completely self-taught and like everything I've ever done has always been self-taught. So like when I was at uni, I studied interior architecture and I remember in first year, we were having to like hand draw planned sections and elevations and stuff for these designs. You'd go in for a crit and she would be like, cool, I like this bit. Can you change this? Mm. And then in, in my mind, I was like, yeah, sure. Well, I said, yeah, sure. In my mind, I was like, this took me eight fucking hours to draw. <laughs> like for me to just change a bit, that's, yeah. that's long. That's another eight hours of me doing that for me yeah. to potentially come back and you want a bit changed again. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, there must be a better way for this. And I think if you can have that mindset of like, there must be a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, well, what would an architect in like practice do? I was like, well, these days I'd use 3D design and then you can just take a slice of it, print yeah. it out. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to not spend these eight hours drawing. Yeah. I'm going to spend eight hours learning 3D design. Yeah. And then so I did that and then created my full model in 3D, took a slice of it, printed it out, and the next week went back with the printout. Yeah. And then he was like, can you change a bit? And I was like, Sure. Yeah. 15 minutes, adjusting some stuff, printing it out again, and yeah. it was just done. And then something like I'd learned a skill that massively shortcutted the, like the kind of the thing that annoyed me, I suppose. Yeah. And that was all just completed through YouTube. Like yeah. no one taught me anything. And then yeah. I remember like the year after we had a digital module and that was like teaching you how to use 3D design. I went to the first lecture and I was like, this is so slow. Like yeah. what you've taught in this lesson, I could have learned in five minutes on YouTube. And yeah. so I didn't go to another lecture, got a first in that module. Yeah. Because it was, and then like people on my course were paying me to teach them to do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like everything you could possibly want to know yeah. is out there. Yeah. See, I, lo I love that mindset. Like you, 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 you saw uh, an issue and you decided like, okay, cool. How am I going to like forward plan and like subvert that? Right. Yeah. Like, and for me, the, the the way I've tried to do that is rather than if someone presents something to me, rather than me going, I can't do that. I'm like, okay, cool. How can I? Mm -hmm. And it came from this theory of, um, I don't know if you guys have ever come across the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes, great book. Yeah. Um, I didn't get too far in the book, but I got to the point where he says, rather than saying, I can't afford it, you say, how can I afford it? Yeah. And I just kind of just switched it a little bit. And that's, it's like kind of my life philosophy. When someone says to me, like presents me something, I'm like, Rather than saying, I can't, I just say, how can I? And it's allowed me to, rather than shutting my mind off to the idea of being able to do something, I'm just, my mind will continue thinking on it, even if I've stopped thinking about it for that particular second. So I, I love that. that you. Yeah, my mindset is, um, if another human can do it, mm -hmm. I can do it too. It's like, if Except someone giving says, birth. Say again? Except giving birth. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's like, if someone says, go and fly. Sure. I'm going to be like, well, other people can't do that. And it's maybe we could work out how to do it, but that's kind of, it's, that's, that's really hard. Sure. Whereas if someone else can do that, like if I can watch someone do something, mm -hmm. apart from like running hundred meters in nine seconds, because sure. that's not going to happen. But 
if someone can like do something on a skill level, mm -hmm. I can definitely teach myself to do that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I've never been to a hairdresser's. Like my mum cut my hair up until I left for uni and I've just done my own hair ever since. Cause it's like, I've watched a couple of videos on YouTube and it does it, it's fine. And it yeah. saved me hundreds of pounds. Cool. It makes me think though, what, what you mentioned at, at the beginning, which is like, everyone talks about diversity and how important diversity is. And it's like, for a lot of like companies, it seems to be like a, just a, a tick box. Mm -hmm. um, but it really resonated to me when you said um, about how you'd only seen like white dudes with cameras. So you didn't, you didn't think it was a, a thing for you. Yeah. And I think now with the internet, like you can, you can find a person who looks like you, who comes from your background, like wherever you're from. Yeah. Like if you're a Chinese dude that's into chess, you can find another Chinese chess master. And, and as soon as you see someone that looks like you, it, it opens up that space in your head to say, I could be there. Yeah. I, I think it definitely helps. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to give off the impression that um, just because X is doing it, that, that means that Y shouldn't do it or mm -hmm. anything like that. It's just at that time growing up, I just hadn't seen anyone that looked like me do it. And um, I am mature enough now to look for role models outside of people who just look like me. And I yeah. try to be a role yeah. model for people who don't just look like me and so yeah. on and so forth. But I do know that it, it, it does help. I work in an industry that is less than 5% black. And you're absolutely right. You know, when you when you look at some companies, they are just doing it as a checklist, tick box kind of exercise. And so I try to make sure that I am not doing that because I hate hypocrisy. And I try to make sure that um, we have female content creators and, you know, people from diverse backgrounds. We just ran an internship at the ad agency that I work at. And we had, I think, maybe 80% female. And that was largely because I said to them, like, look, we, we, we need to do something about this. Um, the agency is very good at doing that. But I, I wanted to make a concerted effort to make sure that we'd, we're, we're doing this. Because when you continue to have the same narratives told by the same people, the story's going to say the same. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, you know, um, for, just to pick a random uh, industry, like talk about Hollywood, right? And how there seems they seem to have run out of ideas because they're just revamping old movies that we've seen before, but there's nothing really new. Yeah. And I think that's largely because the stories are being told by the same people. And I can't tell you how many um, concepting sessions or brainstorming sessions I've had with um, people from a certain demographic who keep on referencing Ferris Bueller. And I'm like, well, I've seen Ferris Bueller once. It's not that relevant anymore can we use something that's you know maybe in the last 10 years 20 years <laughs> yeah. um and i just i just think the whole world benefits from diversity mm -hmm. like all of us benefit from it um and i i wish more people would would see that but you know we we, we live in a time where unfortunately xenophobia seems to be rearing its ugly head again yeah and um yeah i i just people have this fear of the unknown and people are lazy. And so you get this point where people don't want to take time to look at the similarities that we have that we share. Mm -hmm. They'd rather look at the differences that we have. And it, it, it just leads to unnecessary and I guess lazy preconceptions about people. If we took the time to just, you know, reach out and just find out like, you know, what it is that we all enjoy um, and what connects us, then I think we're in a much better spot. But 
yeah, you can you can learn from anyone, and it's it's so important to just have an open mind in that. Whenever a person is speaking, like even if it's the old lady on the bus, like especially if it's the old lady on the bus, like mm-hmm. you, you like you can learn something from anyone. Mm. Um, and yeah, just going into the world with more of an open mind would benefit so many more people. Mm. Yeah, but um, I was reading something recently talking about kind of mindset and how if you believe something, your your brain only looks out for things that reinforce that same opinion. Yes. yes. And it's like, so if you, like, it's such a closed mind. Confirmation bias. Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if you're only consuming the same stuff because that's in, it's like narrow window, you're never going to evolve. You're just mm. going to be this like really narrow, like dull person. Like yeah. you're not. Yeah. So it's like by looking into different areas, you'll expand yourself, which will hopefully change your mind and open you up to ideas that you never would have had before. And especially like with creativity, it's like, do you want to do something new? Do you want to do something that some loads of people have done before? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you want to find your own voice, find your own style, like consume content from people who are so different to yeah. you yeah. because you can just learn so much. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that really came across when uh, we interviewed Lily Mercer and she was she was just talking about hip hop and, and like, how that is just mashing together stuff from like like kung fu movies or like wherever you can draw yeah. your inf- inspiration and just mm-hmm. taking it to a new place means you create something amazing and and like with this with this podcast like um i don't know what the percentage is but i know that we've definitely had more female guests than we have male mm-hmm. and that's not a conscious decision. We're going through trying to find interesting people. Yeah. It just so happens that at the moment we're not finding many dudes. Like this would be, we'd have more male guests if there were loads of dudes that we found that were killing it at the moment. Yeah. Just turns out that yeah. really the majority of stuff that we're seeing, I mean, I don't know That's if amazing, there's yeah. anyone listening that that like can recommend any like good dudes to bring on the show, <laughs> then they're cool. But but yeah. really what we're finding is like I'm going through my, I keep a list of people that I'd really like to interview mm-hmm. and I'm looking through it and so many of them are female because there there's just seems to be a, a movement of, of girls just rocking it at the moment. Yeah, and, and I think I think a lot of that is due to the democratization of the creative industry, which social media has helped. Yeah. Um, people are, you know, quick to jump on the, the bandwagon and say how bad social media is, but definitely has allowed people who wouldn't have had voices before to kind of have their own platform to really just promote themselves in a way that's completely unprecedented. So, you know, myself, I now work in a traditional area, but I, I'm a non-traditional hire into the ad agency and I don't, if Instagram hadn't been there, I don't know how it even got on some of these people's radars. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was doing law before and then I just built up this um, decent sized following and the chief creative officer of the ad agency that I was like, I work at now, he, he saw my stuff and, and he, you know, he reached out to me and said, do you want to move to Chicago? Be, yeah, I mean, and, and and it's crazy that that happened, and and there's going to be other examples of people who have built up a you know a following, and you know, word of mouth, social media, all of that kind of stuff is helping people who would wouldn't otherwise be seen have their voices and you know, direct their own destiny. So it's it's again all the stuff you see on YouTube, the ability to have your own platform on Instagram, the, the democratization of the creative industry and other industries is is the world that we live in. And you, you really, have, I, I feel like now we have more chance to change our destinies than, than ever before, but that's just me. Yeah, I feel like now with the internet, everyone is completely in control of their own destiny. Like there's nothing, like you can be, you can live anywhere in the world, start a business doing pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. And 
and be really successful. Like there's no excuse. If you've got a smartphone now, yeah. you can run a business. Yeah. Like that's all you need. Like yeah. if you're 15 and you've got a smartphone, you can run a business. Which is why it. internet is like a, a it, it should be accessible to everyone because, yeah. you know, there's so many jobs you can't apply for if you don't have access to online and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I moved apartments just recently in Chicago and they, they struggled to get my internet set up. And I was like, oh, this is, it felt really, really restrictive. It was yeah. like wildly uncomfortable to just <laughs> not have access to the internet, especially given what I do. But places in the world where they just don't have that. And you start to realize that, wow, like this is the world we live. We live in the age of the internet and um, yeah, smartphone. Yeah. You, you start to think about people who just don't have access to it and like what they could be doing. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Crazy. It's so wild, isn't it? So Instagram has completely changed your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also something to be said about the bravery that is taken because what's it, what Instagram has done is it's presented these opportunities, but you've had to actually walk through the door. Mm-hmm. So when someone contacts you and says, do you want to move to Chicago? Like, what was that? What went into your thought process? Did you do a pros and cons list? Like, or was it just straight away? Like, this is something I need to do new chapter just see what happens. So, so I guess, yeah, a couple of things happened with, with that. Like the, the first brave part was, me leaving um, law to to kind of say, you know, I'm going to pursue this full time. And um, what had interestingly happened around the industry that I was in, so I specialised in employment law and the government, as you may remember, changed the law a little while back so that if you were going to take your employer to tribunal, you had to pay money now, whereas previously you didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. That dropped the amount of claims being brought by about 80%. So the amount of lawyers needed... Um, dropped as well. I was one of those lawyers that, you know, was a casualty of that. And that was fine in that I got severance package and was able to last for a while. But the, the I, I, I tried to get fully qualified and it, it didn't happen, but I guess things happen for a reason. And it was there was a point at which I was at this law firm um, and I had my own personal clients. But then in the law firm, I had, I was, there's this chain of command thing, which, I, I get it, you know, for safety in a law firm, you need to do certain things and, and tradition and all that kind of stuff. But given the experience I had and the the hierarchical nature of my boss saying to me, oh, I think I went to answer a question. He's like, no, don't answer that question. Um, and it would have benefited the client for me yeah. to have asked that question. It would have helped my boss um, if that question was asked, and yeah, she said, no, yeah. you, should, you shouldn't do that. And outside of that, I'm having direct contact with clients, big name clients, you know, like Samsung and LG or Microsoft or Nike. Or it just felt weird to me, that kind of dichotomy. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm going to take the leap of faith and go with what my gut is. I feel the time is now to, to do this. I was looking around me at my peers on the Instagram space and I was like, like you said, if they can do this, I can do this, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm good enough, and that was the first leap of faith, and it was hard. Um, you have a certain lifestyle when you have a regular nine to five job. Um, it had paid for my equipment, it allowed me to you know purchase um, property and all that kind of stuff. And then now I was kind of just jumping into the deep end and saying I was going to make money off photos and stuff, right? And it was a time as well where people were saying no one should become a photographer because everyone's a photographer and no one's going to make any money off it. So I took that leap of faith thinking, yeah, you know, I'm good enough. I think I can do this. And me and my 
my partner at the time, she had a, she had a young daughter. It was tough. At first Christmas, we, we couldn't afford to buy each other Christmas presents. We scraped together enough money to get her a little gift. And it was tough. And then I remember my first gig that kind of came in um, was from Adidas. It was my first, my first big gig um, from Adidas. And then I was like, I think we're going to be good. I think we're going to be okay. And um, in, in fact, just before that gig came in, I had this like, a, uh, I think I maybe had like 4,000 pounds in the bank. This is all the money I had. And I remember spending a large chunk of that on the Sony A7R II. Because again, leap of faith. I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. when my next paycheck is coming in, but I, I am trusting myself that I'm going to make this camera work for me. And then the, the Adidas or Adidas, depending on which side of the pond you're on, um, uh, gig came in and it kind of was like, thank you, God. Um, I appreciate you. Um, and then things kind of got better like throughout the year. And then when Chicago came, um, it was funny, like it was almost 10 years before that, um, coming straight out of law school, as with this law firm again trying to qualify, and one of the clients really liked me. He's like, "Move out to Chicago, like you know." We'll take, and I'm young at this point. He's like, "Move out to Chicago. We'll take care of you. Um, you know, I, th- I think you'd be great." And I was like, "Man, I can't do it. Like, you know, just join this law firm. They, you know, they need me, and I, you know, I really want to qualify." He's like, "No, just come, just move out to Chicago. It'll be amazing." Kind of thing. <laughs> And I was like, I, I would love Crazy, to. I really man. appreciate the offer. It's like Chicago and was calling you. It is, because it yeah. was, and, and I'm not joking when I say it was almost like, I wouldn't say 10 years to the day, but definitely 10 years between, um, I'm now, I wouldn't say, enough, I guess I was an established photographer at this point. I had a decent enough uh, social following and had worked with enough clients and a chief creative officer of this ad agency, Million Post, his name's Jason Peterson. Um, and um, he is recognizing my work and he's saying, come to Chicago. At this point, broken up with my girlfriend, like I'm, you know, professionally, I'm kind of riding high. Um, personal life was kind of messed up at that point, but professionally <laughs> I'm kind of riding high. And he says, we went to Chicago. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I'm not fucking about. And I was like, I'm not fucking about. And he goes, all right, cool. I have my people call you. A few days later, they called me. I flew out there and they offered me the job uh, a couple of days later. Um, I hadn't told my parents, I hadn't told anyone. I remember kind of phoning them after coming out of the interview and I was like, just got offered a job in Chicago. What'd you guys think? And they were like, <laughs> uh, is that why you flew out then? I was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, we'll miss you. But, you know, if the opportunity is calling, yeah. then go for it. And um, yeah, it was, for me, there was like no looking back. Um, the, the only thing I ever have regrets is that my mum's not in the best of health. Um, and I, I love my family and friends and everything like that. But the only the only thing I've ever, I ever regret in that in, in moving to Chicago is not getting to spend time with with mum. And again, for anyone listening, that's no disrespect to friends and family who do still live here. It's just mum is just so important yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, she she sacrificed so much in order for me to kind of um, get to the position uh, that I have been or I am in. Um, and so. Yeah, opportunity came and it was like, it, I remember saying to one of my friends, it feels like for someone who's come up through Instagram, um, as a photographer, you're constantly getting knocked and told you're not a real photographer. Oh, you just take pictures on your phone. You took that on your phone, didn't you? Like repeatedly, you're just prodded with this kind of, oh, you, you didn't study this. And so you're, you know, you're not good enough kind of thing. Yeah. And imposter yeah. syndrome really kicks in often. And so you get, 
offered the job to move to Chicago. And, and I, I always say this and it might sound dramatic, but it was like being called up to the NBA for photography or for social media, or however you want to describe it. It was like, wow, just got the call. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to take it. Opportunity comes knocking, you have to take it. At the end of the day, you can have all the pieces of paper in the world that say you're qualified. Mm-hmm. But if you're not getting any clients, then what what does it mean? Yeah. And I, I don't care how anyone wants to slice it. I'm getting paid to do something I love doing. That's a blessing. So um, I'm just going to go where uh, where that's possible. So yeah, it was definitely a leap of faith. I didn't really know anyone out there. Um, but, you know, I, I came across this analogy the other day and it was saying that if you put a shark in a, in a small tank, it, the shark won't grow any bigger than that tank. It will never grow bigger than its environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's, I love the analogy that if you are, if you place that shark in a larger area, it will then grow. And I think that's the same with people, right? You put them in different environments and they will grow from that experience. And mm-hmm. so me going from being in London to, to Chicago where opportunities are kind of like just more available. London's great for sure, but being in the States definitely opened me up to a larger market and there's levels like to, <laughs> to, to social media, like, you know, people with like Brandon is like what, 3 million followers and stuff. That is um, much more uh, readily available to people in this space. Um, the market, if you, if you blow up in, in the States, then it's, it's easier to do that. And definitely opportunities over here, but it's just, it's, it's, there's levels to this. It's, yeah. With the opportunities that you got in terms of like working with brands and stuff, did mm-hmm. they come directly to you or do you, kind of go and get them? Um, there was an initial point where, and this is back in the UK, there's a, there was an initial point where I was looking at some of my friends who were getting gigs. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying like, man, like, you know, like, why am I not getting the call kind of thing? And I'm like, don't worry, Toby, you, you, you'll get it, you'll get it. And I was like, man, all right. Um, and then I was like, wait, like, why am I waiting for this? Like, and take destiny into my own hands. Um, I been in, in law for a while, I know how to draft a letter. Like I know how to research yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I draft these kind of like really professional emails, hi, you know, and did just did my research. Notice that you worked with this person um, and, you know, put together like a small deck just showing the kind of work I've done, gave them all the numbers. So like whoever read it would have what they needed, yeah. yeah. So if they were going to forward it to someone else, then, you know, it had the numbers because there's always a numbers guy. Um, if they needed the visuals, then the visuals are there. It was just, you know, really light email. I remember keeping it, um, just keeping it kind of small as well because I was like, people don't have a mu- they don't have much time to read these kind of things, right? So keep it short and simple, just knock it out. And I just remember firing this off to a bunch of different people and, um, yeah, I got some traction off of that. And then I had enough momentum to keep me like financially viable for a while. And yeah, the momentum just kind of stayed up. And if, I've, if I ever had a dead period, then I'd send out a bunch of emails again. But, you know, since moving to Chicago um, and working full time and getting paid decently for, for that, I haven't really needed to fire out too many emails. You reach a certain point um, where word of mouth, reputation. Yeah. Um, and referrals will keep you viable. But if I ever got to a point where I was feeling it was a, it was a bit lacking, definitely would fire up um, some more emails because I I don't think people 
I, I don't know why it's the case, um, but a number of people seem to think that they should wait for these opportunities to kind of come. But yeah. it's like, you can, you can go and chase them. There's no shame in that at all. Yeah, I think a lot of people think if you build it, they'll come. Yes. And just assume that by having this presence online, that yeah. all these people are just going to be dying to work with you. Yeah. But it's like, it's not that. Like you have yeah. to go and search for people and connect. Yeah. And I was talking to someone yesterday about how it's not about how good you are. It's about how the people that you meet, it's like, that's so important. Like mm -hmm. there's definitely like, if you if you get a job, there's definitely someone better than you who could do that out there. But you've made the effort to go and connect with those people and that's where it's going to come from. Like if they don't know you exist, they're never going to Absolutely. employ you. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so many different moving pieces. It's like, I, I like to think, I don't know what the ratio is, but I like to think it's um, having a, a, a good body of work and who you're connecting with at that particular time. And again, the ratio is up for debate as to how much, you know, it is what, who you know as, as opposed to what you do. But definitely people need to be going out and just networking and connecting. Yeah. What ratio would you say? At one point I thought it was 50-50. Um, but I think it, it feels like it shifts. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen some people who are not that talented um, scale very high heights because of who they know. Yeah. Um, but I've seen some people who don't know that many people and they've got like great talent and they've managed to burst through. Um, so it, it shifts. Um, there's so many other factors as well, like the time you started on Instagram, for instance, or the time you started on YouTube, or, you know, you might have a bad experience with one particular person and that can be the thing in the industry that's kind of slowing you down. Yeah. Um, jealousy plays a part in it as well, right? Like you might not get a job because someone uh, has kind of bad-mouthed you and stuff, which is unfortunate, but it does happen. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know, what, what would you say the ratio is? I, again, I think it depends on where you are in your journey. I think mm. if you're getting started now, if you've mm. just got your first camera, mm -hmm. I would say learn how to use it and get really good. Mm. Look at loads of people who you admire mm -hmm. and try and get close to where they are. Like, yeah. look at think like, how can I get as good as that? Yeah. Um, so I'd say if you're getting started, 100% to zero. Mm -hmm. And then like more proficient you get, more it kind of switches the other way because it's like once you've got the talent, it's like, you're great. Your photography is amazing now. So I would say almost like it's more about the people that you know now. If I would agree with that. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Yeah, you you have a body of work. And now that you have the body of work that yeah. people can refer to, now it's about how you then market yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think that applies to any business. It's like your portfolio, obviously your portfolio is photos, but if you run a clothing company, mm -hmm. it's like... Well, you have to have the clothes before you go market it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you need you need that body of work, and you need Absolutely. people buying it, and you need to, it like on certain people, and it's mm -hmm. like that's so important. Mm. Yeah, I, everything, all success is going to come down to other people, and it goes back to to what you were saying, like how am I going to do this? If you don't know the right people, and when we start off, no one knows the right people. It's like how am I going to get in front of them? How am I going to get noticed mm. by them? And everything is down to people. So. Um, I, I see a lot of creatives talking online, especially about. Um, so I, when we when we started promoting the podcast, I joined a few Facebook groups mm -hmm. of um, specifically like artists, spaces where I thought people would get some value from the podcast. Sure. And every now and then, I don't really use Facebook, but every now and then I'll log on to those and I'll see some of these posts in these groups. And there's so much on there of like, oh, I don't, I don't like using social media. 
And it's like, well, if you don't like you, like it's 2019, you've, you're going to have to learn to love it yeah. because again, it comes down to people. If people are showing interest in your work, then that, mm-hmm. that, is a, that gives you value. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the only way that you can bypass that and have a career not using social media at all is if you know the right people. Mm-hmm. So you can either go and knock on their door and meet them in person, mm-hmm. or you can do it online and build a following. It's like, those are the two ways to go. It's, you've got to network. It's like 15 years ago, there wasn't really social media. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to be successful, it was about the people you meet. And social media is kind of a shortcut to meeting certain people these days, but you've still got to go and knock on those doors, otherwise no one's going to open them and you're just going to be sat there outside. Yeah. yeah. So going back to the the bravery of when you're, it's a cold Christmas and you've got you've only got a little bit of money in the bank and, and when you did spend that, that cash on the camera, mm-hmm. um, that, I guess, is investing in yourself and is that something that you've sort of done throughout your career? Yes. Um, so a kind of in, in terms of investing in myself for my career, I guess um, I've kind of worked on a business model of the money that comes in. I've typically spent it on more equipment mm-hmm. or travel. Um, and, and, I, and, and I should say equipment and travel because I do feel that it's not just about the equipment. It's about the places that you're going and so on and so forth. I, I feel that you should spend as much money on experiences and travel and skill as you do on equipment. Cause you can have, you know, the best camera and still not know how to use it or have the opportunity to use it. Um, so I feel that I could spend money on like, you know, lavish holidays and stuff, but I don't know. I just, it feels weird to go somewhere that looks amazing and not pull out my camera, yeah. which is not great. Um, I realize it, it, it might not be that sustainable. So, I have struggled to find a balance from time to time in terms of taking care of yourself and investing yourself in that the side, which is kind of very tactile photography driven. Yeah. Equipment go in this place buy this slider, buy that tripod, buy that bag and so on and so forth. But then I've had to be much more mature in recent years in being like, okay, cool. Well, because I spent, all those hours walking around the streets and everything like that. Now my Achilles tendons are messed up. <laughs> so I need to make sure I've got the right sneakers, trainers, um, making sure like insoles, things which, you know, you, a lot of people won't think of when they're, you know, thinking about photography. But, you know, when I, when I talk to people about, you know, what's uh, key in my kit bag, you know, good, like comfortable clothing, because you don't want to get to the end of the day and feel like, oh man, I have to go and do that tomorrow and stuff. Good bag, all of that kind of stuff. But then just on a kind of less tangible level, um, taking time for self to kind of just uh, de-stress and um, going to the gym, taking time for self, all of that, I need to invest in myself as well. Being around the right people as well is also an investment in self because I guess one of the things about social media is there can be a lot, well, it's mostly about comparison. Unfortunately, you creative people are very passionate people. And then you add that to seeing a number um, of followers, likes and so on and so forth. And there can be this kind of weird comparison thing that goes on. And just me spending time around people who are less negative and don't always want to talk about the algorithm, don't always want to talk about the likes yeah, they're not yeah. getting and, and all that kind of stuff and engagement. I get it big part of your business model in terms of how you live but there's so much more to it than that right um and so me um investing time in the right people 
who have good energy and are just decent human beings is also an investment in myself because, you know, that love and good nature and goodwill that I put out there into the, into the atmosphere comes back to me as well. Mm-hmm. So just being, just being mindful of that, taking care of myself as well. Um, you know. Does the image come first then over the sort of thought of, I know that this will do well. Is it more, do you, are you more taking shots that resonate with you rather than what you think will perform? I think the businessman in me, um, the entrepreneurial spirit and the artist in me will often compete. And I, w- I was fortunate enough to have um, the wherewithal to, I, I guess in my head, I kind of think in like various analogies, diagrams and whatnot. And I was able to kind of come up with, um, this is what's commercially sound and will do well. And this is what I like to shoot and find the space in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's what I put out on Instagram. That's where I was seeing most growth. Um, so I was always trying to make sure that the work would fall within that. And sometimes it will fall either side of those kind of things. But for most part, I like to shoot what I like to shoot. And so I'll put that on Instagram and I know that it will do well. I've honed and paid attention to what, what does well. Um, there is, I guess I found that some people think I only shoot symmetrical things, which is kind of weird because I guess, I mean, I, I guess that's partly my responsibility. If I want, if I really want to change that narrative, I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people are lazy, so they'll only use look at the first nine or 12, you know, like a thumb scroll and be like, okay, cool, this guy shoots symmetry. And then it's like, all right, well, it's more than that if you scroll a bit further down. Um, but yeah, I, I I try to make sure I'm doing stuff which um, people will appreciate as well as put out stuff that I like. Um, my website has a wider range of the stuff that I, I do, but um, as a business model, it's worked so far. I just, I'll keep doing it until I need to tweak it. Has personal development been important for you? Because you mentioned Rich Dad Poor Dad earlier, so you mm-hmm. definitely read. Like, what other kind of stuff do you consume on that side of things? Um, personal development is 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 key for me for sure. I think the last book I'm halfway through reading is one called Mindwise, and it talks about like how people interact. Um, I don't get that much time to to read. Um, I, in terms of personal development, like yourself, I'm on YouTube a lot, mm. um, watching a lot of tutorials. Not so fun for any girlfriends I've ever dated. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. Netflix and chill. It's not YouTube and chill, obviously. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, um, but yeah, um, when you're when you're single, you're able to kind of just like really go hard on the, the personal development side of things. So um, yeah, I recommend MindWise. It talks about like how people communicate and how, your perception and someone else's perception are rarely the same just because they're coming through a particular lens. You're coming through a particular lens. And, and unless you're, you've had really similar experiences and even then there's still going to be like a difference in, in perception. It talks about how you can manage those perceptions that other people have of you and, 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 and vice versa. Spiritually, I try to make sure I'm on point as well, but um, yeah, it's just, I guess I don't get as much time as I'd like to kind of take a step back and, and develop. Um, but on, from a tutorial and technical standpoint, mm-hmm. constantly, constantly developing that because I want to stay on top of my game. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I said, I have to be more mature about balancing the 
photography, videography side of things and creativity versus the actual, because that's all Toby Shinobi, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's like Toby, like yeah, yeah. the guy that's before that, you know, <laughs> um, the, the, the real guy, the in real life guy, and, and, and he needs some love as well. So I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm balancing that. Yeah, like I think for anyone out there who's got a partner and wants mm -hmm. to still do this and be able to watch Netflix and personal development at the same time, like what I do is I'll get up earlier in the morning, like before my girlfriend's awake mm -hmm. and like have a coffee and then like watch a podcast, watch some tutorials, mm -hmm. watch some like good content that I couldn't watch in the evening, for example. Yeah. And my girlfriend's so sick of hearing Gary Vee's voice. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like... That's funny. Like she hates his voice and yeah. um, he's just like... Because I'll just like whack a YouTube video on it, it'll just be like on the side mm -hmm. as I'll be like walking around doing stuff. And then maybe I'll like uh, scan it up to the TV and it'll be on there. And then she'll come in and she'll be like, oh God, not again. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think there's definitely like ways like you can kind of adjust your life to make sure you do have time for that as well. And like I listen yeah. to like, books, like I'm really bad at reading. So mm -hmm. like Audible all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just like if I'm on the train, like anywhere yeah. that I'm just that I'm not occupied with something else. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, because if I'm walking in the street, like I can't really be on my phone because I'll just bump into someone. Um, so just like have it in my ears all the time. So every yeah. bit of free time is full of like personal development and learning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mind-wise, I'm, I'm, I'm reading or listening to on Audible. Um, and yeah, just being mindful because your partners are going to be a big part of your life. And I do feel like the partner you choose will either push you forward or slow you down. Mm -hmm. So I'm, 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 I'm always mindful, of, like I said, of the people who I spend time with because a, a bad partner is just not good for, for, for anything. Something yeah. we've not spoken about on the podcast, and I think we should maybe do like a creative thinking episode about it, but yeah. it's um, especially when you're first starting out mm -hmm. and your business will consume everything, having a supportive partner during that time is, is and, and doing it without a supportive partner is really, really hard. And, being single is definitely the easiest way to do it because then you don't feel the guilt of I'm not spending enough time because a relationship does need to be nurtured, like, yeah. nurtured yeah. just yeah. as much as your business does. Absolutely. And, and to balance the two of those is a really tricky task. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you got any sort of like daily rituals or anything that you do? Is there is there a typical day for you or do you very much mix it up? I don't have any daily rituals per se. Um, I go through periods of being, um, I, 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 again, I have something I need to mature out of. I go through these extremes. And so if I fall off the wagon and I, I think my, like one of my vices is sweets. Like I love, <laughs> I love sweet things. What's your, um, uh, what's your candy bar of choice? Um, the, the, the one that will end a diet for sure is <laughs> peanut butter M&M's. Um, yeah. I don't. I haven't seen them that much over over here in the UK. That's good for you. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> in the US for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in the US for sure. They will because de they're, they're not too sweet. So you're just like they're just very more. You just kind of yeah. just chugging them. And they have all like you, you guys been to the states before. You yeah. go. You hit the candy aisle, right? And then there's just like everything. Ten varieties of stuff you've never they're seen. Like, before. you're like, okay, cool. I've got to try it. Like, yeah. yeah. There are these white chocolate peanut M and M's. You guys follow it, like yeah, this, yeah. The, That's so, crazy. So yeah, so rather than having a normal chocolate and then a peanut, it's it's white chocolate as well. It's like whoever works at these places, like it's like if I worked there, I'd be like, well, how can I make this better? What stupid thing could I put together that would just make yeah. it like? Level yeah, let's up? add crack cocaine yeah, to yeah. peanut butter M and M's, and then yeah, 
it's. I think we're going to give you an envelope and uh, and some stamps before you leave, and you can post us back some of these uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. chocolates because they need to get. Yeah, they definitely. Yeah, yeah. Everyone needs to try them, and um, yeah. So. Like when I fall off the wagon and I'm not eating healthily, then it's just like, it's kind of like a binge and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've already messed up. So I'm going to, but when I'm on it, like I can, I can go like very hard with the, with the working out. And like my, my recent routine is waking up at 5am and hitting the gym and getting my workout in before the day starts. Cause that just wakes you up and you just go to work feeling like a superhero. And, um, that's, that's been cool. And so I tried to keep that up. So I'll go through periods where it's like no sugar for like a period of weeks, especially if I know I have to be in front of a camera. <laughs> um, and then I'll, I'll take a break from that and that break will be epic. Um, so yeah, no daily rituals, just bouncing back and forth between sugar binges and, <laughs> and hardcore workouts. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. What advice would you give to uh, any aspiring photographers starting out now? So the, there was a piece of advice I always used to give to everyone. It was like, shoot what you love and love what you shoot. And I still live by that. Um, I feel like it's easy to jump on Instagram, see what everyone else is doing and just kind of fall into that. But mm-hmm. it then becomes a sea of sameness. I do feel like the school model where, you know, you start off and you've got like 10 different subjects that you study. And then as you get older, you kind of narrow down. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way to learn photography. So I I do like, I do still feel shoot what you love and love what you shoot, but explore different types of photography because I've definitely learned different techniques. So for example, spending time with wedding photographers, I um, know that a lot of them tend to use the, um, 85 millimeter and 35 millimeter mm-hmm. for events. Like they'll have two cameras and just do that. And those two focal lengths are perfect for these really intimate moments kind of thing. I'm not a big fan of the 24 to 70, but having two cameras that do that, it's been great. And now anytime I've done events, that's the choice I would make, mm-hmm. 85 and a 35. Never would have known that if I hadn't worked with wedding photographers. Yeah. I typically shoot architecture, perspectives, geometry, symmetry, all of that kind of stuff. So, and you're out in the streets and you're walking around and you see one of those intimate moments. Do you yeah. do you ever get the feeling of like oh, I should whip out the camera and, and capture that as well, or does it not? Do you not really see it? Um, I do, and it it really depends on what lens I've got on because I don't like shooting streets on a wide angle when I typically will have the wide angle on my camera at the time. Yeah. But if I've set out, like I'm going to try and capture these moments and so on and so forth, then I probably would have like a 35 on and I'll, and I'll try and do that. Um, and, and again, just in in terms of just diversifying where you're learning from, you know, working with like nature landscape photographers, you know, just good tripod technique and people like, what do you mean by tripod technique? Mm. But there, there is like ways to do it that are bad and there's ways to do it that are good. Um, and so I, I do, I would say to anyone kind of starting out is, you know, get out there. Instagram has just made it accessible to everyone. Connect with different people, learn all these different techniques because you never know how you might be able to combine a long exposure technique with a drone technique. And then you get stuff like, I don't know if you've seen It's Ruben's work where he does, he, he, he attaches lights to a drone. He flies a drone in a particular pattern and then he will have um, a camera set up to do a long exposure. So he captures these really epic, um, it's, it's, a, it's kind of new lighting techniques. He captures these really epic um, scenes that when you think about it, it's a wow, really simple concept, but just done really, really well. And it's like, why didn't anyone think about it before? Yeah. 
And then because we've seen these like people holding lights and doing the long exposure forever. Yeah. But yeah, to add it to a drone is just a new. You, you, and you think, yeah, of course, it makes sense. Why hasn't someone done it? So yeah, I think a lot of the best ideas are when when they come around. You go, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, and it's yeah. normally because you you only say that because they're so simple, mm-hmm. and often we get carried away coming up with like all of these grand plans and mm-hmm. really it can just be the the really really simple stuff that yeah. Yeah. that can skyrocket mm-hmm. i think like from because i used to do a lot of like port, well, i still do lots of portraiture but you used to do a lot of like lifestyle like location street stuff and then i was like actually i'm going to try and learn to do beauty mm-hmm. because that's such so different it's got lighting involved the retouch element of it is just like next level compared mm-hmm. to whatever i do normally so then like after getting like good at beauty then when i go back and do the street stuff like the edit on it is just so much better because mm-hmm. you just learned so much from a different area that i would never have touched before yeah. but it's yeah forcing yourself out of that zone into another one makes such a difference yeah You've obviously had this creative calling, like listening to your story, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that so many people, because I think a lot of people do have that creative calling and mm-hmm. they, they may be shooting Lego photography in their spare time or whatever it may be. Yeah. Why do you think so many people don't actually listen to that creative calling? I think a lot of people don't listen to their creative calling um, for a number of different reasons. I think one of the primary reasons is kind of fear, um, insecurity. Um, and I think some of it comes down to, and not necessarily, not necessarily their own fears. Sometimes it's fears of other people which come through like societal pressures. So for example, um, being of, um, Afro-Caribbean descent, um, there is the fear that I, if I don't have a regular nine to five job, then I won't be successful and then I'll end up on the street and all that kind of stuff that kind of comes with that, right? So your parents typically want you to do well. They want you to do better than them. They know the struggles that they face and they want you to be the best that you can be. It just gets to a point where there is so much available to people nowadays. And I, I, I do remember like kind of like watching BBC Two credits one time I just remember looking at the names and that whereas before there had been like Smiths Davis yeah, Johnson yeah, yeah. And, and I just remember seeing a lot of Nigerian names and I was like wow that's that's things have really changed mm. um it's it's absolutely important like you know we talked about diversity already it's absolutely important that we we, we see all these names but also it's important that um parents in these in these diverse communities also support their children in their endeavors and and don't go for lawyer doctor engineer kind of thing Mm. i get it you want your kid to do well and they are great professionals i'm not saying tell your kid not to become a doctor (laughs) i'm saying allow them also to have the space to be the people who they want to be because we all benefit from more people being exposed to what is going on in the brains of these like, you know, young kids who are, you know, you know, Warhols or Basquiat or, you know, whoever it is, um, there's, we'll all benefit from, you know, the inspiration that they've, you know, they're going to have a different experience. They're going to come up with something new and constantly innovate. And I, I, I hope that me being in the space I am will inspire some people to think, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, he's done it. Um, he seems to be a, a nice chap. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they'll be like start encouraging their kids to to do it more. And I try to do as much as I can. I'm, we're 
Like in Chicago, currently working with a charity um, where we want to give uh, children access to the creative arts. want to expose them from a younger age mm -hmm. to the creativity. Because I know that if I had perhaps been exposed to it from a younger age, who knows where I'd be now. Yeah. And it's not to say that, you know, it'd be any different, but you just never know. And like I say, in, in the ad industry, it's less than, I think it's less than three or 4% black people in the, in the ad, um, ad wow. industry. Um, but when you look at some of the work that's being produced, I can't tell you the amount of times I've seen a rap video being the basis for an ad campaign. Yeah. So it's like, how can it only be 5% or less than 5% of people of a particular demographic, yeah. but then the ideas are coming from that culture? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. And so I'm trying to do as much as I can to kind of address that. And um, I feel we'll get there, but it takes pushing from, you know, people like ourselves, like, you know, you having me on here, you know, great honor for me kind of thing. And just looking at those diverse narratives and making sure that we're doing all that we can to um, hear from everyone. Amazing. Are there any other sort of big goals you've got on the on the horizon that you want to take off? Big goals. So I, I, I definitely want to publish a book that's in the works. Um, a photo book? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wanna, I, wanna, I, I want to do more with video. I've been doing a lot with video um, for the last three years, but I want to kind of establish myself in that space as being known for that. Um, I want to do more gallery showings. Um, I just want to level up. There's just there's so many different ways to do that. Um, I want to do more charity work and, like I say, um, get more kids at a young age exposed to industries which they, they probably never knew existed. Um, Again, just you know, going back to the earlier question, it's like I remember moving to Chicago and being on set, and obviously I knew what a sound guy was. I'd seen them before, but actually meeting a sound guy in person, you know, the guys with the big, the big old pack in front of them, right, and he's got the boom. And I remember speaking to him, and I remember him saying about you know he's got like three kids and everything like that, and I was like, right, so this guy makes his whole living off just sound, just sound. And so the, I'm sure there's a bunch of kids from, you know, disaffected areas and stuff where they just, they could be amazing at that, yeah. but they just never know that that part of the industry yeah. exists. I so I want to do more to try and make sure that people know what these, these kind of careers are and just, just make it more yeah. colourful. Yes, man. Like when you're a kid, you've no idea what jobs are out there. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Like I suppose that's another thing where social media massively benefits because it shows people what you can do. Because mm -hmm. like being at school and there was this like form thing you could fill in loads of different like questions and it'd give you like what job you should do yeah uh, i remember like i came back as computer game designer so i was like absolutely stoked with that yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it's everything on there was so limited there wasn't yeah. marketing yeah. assistant that would never have come up they were all kind of like obvious jobs they're yeah. never like all of the things that are behind the scenes that you never hear about yeah and still in now in 2019 we're not we're not concentrating on creative subjects in schools and and kids don't know that these roles exist so yeah. it's it's our responsibility to to get it out there mm. yeah i mm. think that's what's great about youtube and like the responsibility of youtubers and other kind of content creators it's like you've got people's attention mm -hmm. so like tell everyone that because they're not going to learn it at school so it's kind of like our responsibility to make sure people can know this mm. Um, this was inspiring as fuck, man. I'm thank glad. you, yeah, thank you awesome. very much yeah. for coming on. Um, no, where can people find me. you online? Um, so 
Toby, Toby Shinobi online. Um, so Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube coming soon. When? Oh. Um, yeah, so you have to, you gonna, have to put I'm, a definite date down. I'm going to promise you here on the podcast that before the end of the year, you will see videos. I'm, I'm, now that I've promised you here, like, I have to do it. So well, we'll check up on yeah, it. Yeah, me and a good friend of mine, Ron Timmerhin, we promised each other last year that by January of this year, we would start our channels and we didn't do it. And I saw him the other day and we felt kind of bad. And we don't like to break promises because we're yeah. men of our word. So, um, yeah, I'm making a promise here that I will set up something, um, even if it kills me. So, yeah, Toby Shinobi is, is always going to be the same because branding is massively important. Thanks yes. so much, dude. Thank, Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya.